When Moses led the Israelites out of slavery in Egypt, he learned the power and the love of God. Join me, Pastor Hook, as we learn lessons from the Exodus and God's great rescue. We are in episode 37 of our study, Exodus, God's Great Rescue. And we are in the middle of the Ten Commandments. We've gone through the First Commandment. We've gone through the Second Commandment. And today we're going to go through the, let's see, the Fourth Commandment, right? Um, this is going to be the, the commandment that um, probably hits home for a lot of us because we all have parents. And uh, so let's just go ahead and read it, and then we'll spend some time this morning talking about it. It's not very long. This is Exodus 20, beginning at verse 12. Honor your father and mother so that you may live long in the land the Lord your God is giving you. And this is, if you've taken catechism classes and you remember your catechism classes, this is the only commandment that actually has a promise attached to it. All the other commandments don't have a promise. This one does have a promise. Honor your father and your mother so that you may live long in the land the Lord your God is giving you. And remember, this is when you see capital L-O-R-D, that means it's the proper name of God. So this is God talking to the Israelites that says, honor your father and mother. Why? Because there's a promise so that you may live long in the land that your Lord, your God is giving you. And there's been various interpretations as to what this actually means. Um, some have said that when you get into the promised land, uh, if you do not honor your father and mother, Jewish law says that you have to be put to death. So if you don't want to be put to death, honor your father and mother so that you'll live longer in the land that your God is giving you. That is probably not the intent here. I think it's more of a, of a, of a looking at your life as a continue, continue, continuation of this chain of people that brought you into life. Your mom and dad came together to create you. Um, they're the ones that took care of you in your infancy. They're the ones that put up with you in your toddlerhood. They're the ones that have given you your life. And so you owe them honor and respect, uh, love and respect. Um, yeah, I mean, honor is like love and respect. And you owe them that because they brought you into this world. And as some parents have said, I've brought you into this world and I can take you out. Or some parents, there's more of you where you came from. So just, you know, stay in line. Um, it, is, it is a natural, I think it's a natural human tendency that as we get older and become more independent, which is exactly what parents want their children to do, right? We as parents want to raise our children so that when they get to become mature adults, that they have everything they need in life to be able to survive. It was a lot easier in an agricultural community at the time of Moses or a nomadic community. The father had to, would teach the children how to get food, how to process food, how to create clothes. Um, the, you know, the parents would give the children the tools necessary for them to survive. And so in a, in a agricultural or a very primitive society that, you know, before 
educational systems, right? It was the parents that completely told the children everything that they needed to know to survive. And then somewhere around, you know, the Middle Ages, um, it started to move from uh, parents, well, even in the Middle Ages, like if you were a parent and you were, uh, and you made shoes, let's say you were a cobbler, you made shoes, there was a 100% expectation that your children would learn how to make shoes because that's what the parents did and the children learned from the parents. And this was a leftover from the whole agricultural society or primitive you know, cultures where there, there was no formal education. The, the, all there was was parents teaching their children how to survive. That was part of being a parent was to teach your children how to survive in the world around you. Uh, and there was a side benefit in this in that as you grow older as a parent and as you can no longer do the things that, that you needed to do to survive, for example, you maybe your hands can no longer work properly, your feet no longer work properly or whatever, whatever it was, because you had raised your children to, to kind of learn your trade, then as you as a parent got older to die, uh, you would be able to rely on your children and perhaps your grandchildren to kind of take care of you. It was a social safety net. It was a beautiful social safety net of, of the circle of life, right? Because that's, that's how societies you know, took care of each other. There was no social security. There was no government system. Uh, and so th there was almost an unwritten forced rule that uh, that children would obey and honor and respect and love their parents. And then when their parents got old, they would take care of them in old age. It was kind of like, listen, your parents took care of you for the first, you know, 10 or 14 years of life. They they told you everything you needed to survive. So when the parents get into their last 10 or 14 years of life, right, you need to take care of them. And that's how societies continue to move and grow and that sort of thing. And it was a, it's a, it is a beautiful model. We don't have that model today, right? I mean, I will uh, absolutely do whatever I can, you know, to take care of my father, right? My, my mother's passed on. So my father... Uh, we as kids, there's seven of us, we will do whatever we can to take care of him and his wife. There's no question about that. Um, and does that mean that I'm going to give up my my job here and veil and move to Phoenix where he lives and live in his house and take care of him? I hope not. But if it, if it had to be that, I probably, and I had the ability to do that, I might do that. Would I bring him here to this house and take care of him? I would absolutely do that. He would probably hope not. <laughs> That's probably not something that he's looking forward to um, because we all get old. We all are going to face this in our life, right? So how I do this to my parents is going to be an example of how I kind of expect my kids to treat me when I get to that age. Um, there are a lot of parents, there are a lot of parents though that are disenfranchised from their kids. They haven't spoken to their kids in years. Um, they're, they, I mean, they have no relationship with their children. And my friends, that's a horrible thing. In ancient times, and not even too long ago, if that was the case in your life, what were you, I mean, you were at the mercy of your friends. 
You were at the mercy, perhaps, of the church. You were at the mercy of other things to try to take care of you. But that is not the natural order of things. The natural order, in my opinion, is that the family unit is so strong that they all kind of take care of each other in every stage of life. Uh, but we live in a supremely mobile society, so that makes it very, very difficult. Uh, and of course, uh, somewhere along the line, we created this whole system of Medicare, Medicaid, um, Social Security, and all that sort of thing to kind of create a safety net for all parents so that the kids don't have to do that anymore, which I, in one sense, I'm really sad about that because I think one of the greatest joys you can have in your life is to care for your parents as they get older. I mean, I, I really think, I know it's difficult. Uh, I, I know it will be very challenging, and I know there might be some anger. Uh, there might be some challenging moments because it's switching, you know, it's switching the authority from, you know, from, from 75 years of living, I've been in charge, or 85 years or 95 years of living, I've been in charge of my kids, and now my kids are in charge of me. And that's just a very, very difficult, challenging thing for a person to wrap their head around. But on the other hand, if you have, well, you know, if you got kids like mine, <laughs> I mean, it's like, okay, you take my life, that's fine. You're probably going to make much better decisions about my life than I ever could. Um, and, and probably do it a lot more organized because I'm a, I'm a highly disorganized person. Well, actually, I'm not a highly disorganized. I, I just think about weird things. Um, Anyway, so uh, I would be perfectly fine, you know, as I say that now with my children kind of taking care of me. But I don't know. When I get to 90 or 95, if God grants me that, I may not feel that way. I may feel like they're intruding upon my life. But there was a, it was a societal, societal expectation, you know, up until a couple hundred years ago. There was just a societal expectation that. When you got old, your kids were going to take care of you, and then they were the authority figure, and you had to listen to them. Um, I mean, that was just the way it was. I mean, there, no question about it. And it is a beautiful, I think it's just such a beautiful thing that parents, you know, they invest a lot to raise their children to get them to be independent, beautiful human beings. And then the gift of that is that their, their kids... Um, will assist them in their in their old age and take care of them in their old age, you know, kind of a I wouldn't say payback, but but maybe pay forward type of deal. Um, and that whole thing breaks down if the relationship between the parent and the kid gets broken. That is where the whole thing breaks down, and when. And it inevitably is going to happen, right? As we mature and age, we're inevitably going to get into a situation where we are at odds with our parents, where our parents are going to say things that we think are wrong, not helpful, maybe even bad. And so we, because we're younger and we're more knowledgeable about the world and that we want to make, you know, that when it comes to conflict, let me put it this way. When it comes to conflict, our voice is an equal voice to our parents. And what God says is no. When it comes to conflict, our parents' voice is the authority voice. I mean, that's basically what this is, right? In, in every situation, uh, for there to be a, a not a breaking of relationship, 
Let me put it that way. Everything is about relationship for God. That God exists in relationship, Father, Son, Holy Spirit. He created us as highly relational people. We cannot exist unless we're in relationship. As a matter of fact, there were studies done years ago where they took children, you know, babies, and they didn't give them human touch, and they died. I mean, we we are we are created for relationship. And so a lot of the stuff that God puts into place is to maintain relationship. And it's difficult, and sometimes it's challenging, and it doesn't make sense, but without relationship, we're dead. And so God puts into place things that maintain relationship. Well, this is one of them. Because inevitably, parents and kids are going to have arguments and fight. And if the child says, well, I'm right and you're wrong, uh, and there's no overriding authority or overriding principle in that relationship, then it very well could turn into a permanent um, relationship where the, where the parents and the children are estranged and they never talk to each other. But what God says is, no, in the relationship of father and mother and child, the father and mother win all the t- every time. So if you are a child... Uh, when it comes to the relationship, you have to suck it up and you have to maintain that relationship. And that is hard and that is difficult, but that is the biblical principle. Uh, the child is always subservient to the parents. Even if you've got scoundrel parents, even if you've got bad parents, even if you've got parents that, uh, that are not worthy of any type of relationship, it doesn't matter. It doesn't matter. Uh, you can't choose your children. You can't choose your your parents. <laughs> I mean, you get the genetic and societal. You get what you get, and you don't throw a fit. So that's another thing is that, you know, and today, um, I think we have a lot of parents. There's like, all I do is got to get them to when they're old enough and they move out of their home, and then I can get rid of them. And who cares anymore? They can go and lead their own life. My friends, that is horrible. Um, and yet I think there's a lot of people in our society that do that. It's like, I just got to get them to 18 and then they're on their own and then they can do their own decisions. I don't care about it anymore. No, 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 no. It's, this is a relationship that's, that lasts all your life. And you can't, you can't just, uh, shirk your duty to raise your children and children. You can't just break off relationship with your parents because they're no fun anymore. I mean, this Uh, And I know that our society today, we've made it easy for that to happen. We've created all sorts of systems, right? Like even raising children, parents are like, well, all you've got to do is get in the front door of the school and then school, you know, they'll raise them, whatever. Well, no, that's not how it was ever meant to be. Um, The the school is just an extension of the parent and the household. Of course, today, I I don't know if that's the case, but, but historically, the school, any education, was just an extension of the parent. The, the, ed, the, primary, the primary responsibility of educating our children is not the state. The primary responsibility of educating our children is the parent. And it is more than just math and science and English. It is growing them to be mature adults that are in the image of Jesus. And that truly is what our goal is. My goal as a parent is to raise and to guide and to nurture and to teach 
my children so that they become more and more like Jesus. That, that is my role as a parent. And it never stops. And if I do that well, which I'm not because I'm a sinful human being, but if, if, if I could do that well, then when I get to my old age, it would be a pleasure and a joy to have that kind. Almost like, you know, as a, as a child, as you know, when you first hold your baby in your arms and you get that joy of raising your children, that, that end of life joy between parent and child should be just as joyful. It really should. And, um, I'm hoping that that is joyful for me and my, you know, my father. Um, and I hope it's joyful for me and my kids. Because that's, that is why God put this commandment in there. <clears throat> it's, it's, in a way, it's an analogy. Um, someone I love told me this this morning. It's an analogy uh, how God, how we are with God is an analogy, that, that the parent-child relationship is an analogy of our God relationship, right? That, that, that how we treat our parents is the same way as we'll treat God. And so the better you treat your parents, the more, you know, the help, it helps influence how you treat God. That's for sure. Now, it's interesting. Yeah, let's look at this again. I just, because I noticed this this morning. Honor your father and your mother so that you may live long in the land that the Lord your God is giving you. Um, if you ever took a catechism in the fourth commandment, uh, it was honor your father and mother so that it may go well with you all the days of your life, or something like that. In other words, the promise is so that it may go well with you. That's what I remember learning in catechism. This is the only commandment that, that says, honor your father and mother so that it may go well with you. Well, if you go back and look, honor your father and mother so that you may live long in the land that you're long, that God has given you. It doesn't say anything about that it may go well with you. It's kind of like that you may live long in the land, but it's not, it's not that, the, that it may go well with you. But um, don't be dismayed because it is in Scripture. It's just not here. Um, later, uh, Paul writes to the church in Ephesus, and when he gets to uh, chapter 6, he's talking about how we should all get along together. And uh, this is what Paul says. This is Ephesians 6, beginning of verse 1. Children, obey your parents in the Lord, for this is right. Of course, it's the Ten Commandments. Honor your father and mother which is the first commandment with the promise. What is the promise? So that it may go well with you and that you may enjoy long life on the earth. Fathers, do not exasperate your children. Instead, bring them up in the training and instruction of the Lord. So right there in black and white. That's why we talk about it, so that it may go well with you. Um, because it's not in Exodus 20, but it is in Ephesians 6. And so I think it's probably then implied, as the Jewish scholars would teach your, their children, uh, you know, because that commandment was for the Israelites as they were getting into the promised land. But it also is Ten Commandments of Living. And so at some point they interpreted it so that it may, so that you may live long as so that it may go well with you. You know, living long and going well with you are kind of kindred things. Um, so, but my, my prayer for you is that, that you have a great relationship with your children and the children you have a great relationship with your parents and how do you do that well and paul even talks about it fathers don't exasperate your children instead bring them up in the training instruction of the lord in other words fathers um be good fathers right don't don't do things 
that are going to purposely try to strain the relationship between you and your children. That is very, very important. Um, now, I, I guess I could tell this story, and it's a real quick story. But I like to think that I was a great kid, that I always honored my father and mother, that I loved them very much. Anything that they said, I did. And I remember one time, I won't say exactly what it is, but they told me to do something. And it was a very, very difficult thing. But uh, because I was honoring my mom and my dad, I did it. And it caused me a world of pain. Um, and uh, I'm still, even today, believe it or not, impacted by that world of pain um, that was that was something my parents told me I had to do. And because I loved and honored them and because I respected them and I did it. And it was, uh, it was a very, very difficult thing for me. So I, I would like to think that I was um, a pretty good kid. Well, somewhere in high school, I think I must have been 15 or 16 or 17, my mother did something really stupid. Um, and I can't remember to this day what it is. I wish I remember what it was. But she was wrong. I was angry at her. Uh, and what she said made no sense. And uh, she was being unreasonable. Um, it was, you know, when you're in high school and you've got seven kids... Um, there are always going to be conflicts and things like that. And, and you may not see it that way, but your parents are doing as best as they can. But I didn't see it that way. And I just thought she was being very, very angry. And my father noticed that I, you know, my mother and I were like just not speaking to each other. And so he came up to me and he said, David, he said, you need to, you need to restore this relationship. And I said, but she's wrong. <laughs> and he says, yeah, but the fourth commandment, buddy, <laughs> honor your parents, right? It's doesn't matter if she's wrong. What matters is restoring the relationship. And in this authority structure, it's up to you to restore the relationship. So go do it. And um, so that was that was hard because uh, that meant that I had to admit I was wrong when I wasn't. I had to restore the relationship when I'm pretty sure I wasn't wrong. But he was absolutely right. Um, these structures are put into place not necessarily to prove who is right and who is wrong, but to give an indication as to who has who is required to make the first step to restore a relationship. And in the case of the Bible, it is the children, right? When we get in when we get into this point where we start to exert independence and then that's going to cause conflict with our parents, we as the children are required to maintain the relationship. And that's hard. Uh, now, maybe, maybe you've never heard that before, and maybe you don't have a relationship with your parents because they did something stupid and said, I'm done with my parents. Um, that is not biblical, according to the Ten Commandments. According to this structure that God put down, the child is supposed to obey the children. And when I mean by obey, I mean that there's the ones that are to put aside whatever it is they have in their life and try to maintain the relationship. Does that mean that you have to agree with everything your parents said, no. Uh, and if you've got really, really bad parents that tell you to do things that are even illegal, should you do them? No, not necessarily. Um, I mean, this is hard. I mean, these are hard things in our lives. But what I see in this commandment is an authority structure that helps maintain relationships. It's the same one where God, where God says, um, you know, that the man is the head of the household. I mean, and that is a very, very difficult um, saying for for women who are married to scoundrel men. It's like, 
I, this does this is not fair. And no, the answer is no, it's not fair. But there has to be somebody in a relationship. There finally there has to be somebody that says I'm the one who is in charge. And so um, because if I if there isn't one person in charge, ultimately there will be a situation that is going to cause all sorts of grief and pain. And it's a hard decision and somebody's going to have to make that decision. And according to scripture, when it comes to that, uh, the man, the head of the household is the one who, uh, and I guess it wouldn't have to be the man. I mean, it could be if a if parent, you know, if parents come together and they say, I'm going to be the head of the household. But biblically, it is the man who is the head of the household. The whole, it's not that God wants man to be in charge of women. I mean, it's, that's not, because even, even in scripture, he says, you know, love your, love your wife as Christ loved the church and gave up his life for him. I mean, God wants men to, to sacrifice themselves for their wives. There's ultimate love there. It's just that at some point there has to be a final authority in this sort of thing. And in the parent, in the parent child relationship, the final authority is the parent, and the child obeys the parent. That's just the way it is. And it's difficult, and it's tough, but that's scriptural. And the whole purpose isn't because, the whole purpose is to maintain the, to create a structure that allows for the relationship to go on. Because at some point, somebody's got to give. And Christ says, the one who gives is the child. So I think we'll end it there. Um, Hope this is helpful for you. And, uh, you know, if, if you by chance, you know, didn't have a relationship with your parents or it was difficult for you or it didn't go well with you or, and, you know, and, and uh, this hits you like a ton of bricks, understand that God forgives all of your sins, that, that he knows that it was difficult and he, he, you know, put that on him and say, God, I'm sorry, and he will forgive you. You are not kicked out of the kingdom because you didn't do childhood well. That is not, God does not kick you out of the kingdom because he kicks you out of the, he, he brings you into the kingdom because Christ and Christ is perfect. So he keeps you in the kingdom because of Christ. So let's go ahead and end in prayer. Uh, gracious God, um, we pray for um, all relationships, fathers and mothers and children, that you would strengthen them and build them and that maybe um, that you are, that your love for us is an example of our love in our world. Uh, give us strength to do the things that you've called us to do. Until we meet again, keep us in your grace. In Jesus' name, amen.